Welcome to the revolution. Hello and welcome to Red Pill Revolution. My name is Austin Adams and thank you so much for listening today. I appreciate it. We are in for it. It's been a week and a half or so since our last episode and there has been a ton that has happened. On this week's episode, we are going to be discussing a transgender man giving birth to a non-binary partner's baby with a female sperm donor. If you never thought you'd heard those words together, now you have. The next thing we're going to discuss is going to be the owner of the UFC, Dana White, getting into a physical altercation with his wife, laying hands on her on video. In a very disappointing thing to see in modern society. I mean, it's just 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 horrible. We haven't seen something like this in, in, in quite some time as far as spousal abuse directly on camera. So we'll discuss that. We'll also take a look at the next thing, which is going to be that Russia saying they shot down a UFO. And again, this is highly underreported. Very few people are talking about this. Russia says it shot down a Alien spacecraft, potentially. Uh, so we'll read about that, what Russia said, what things were said about it, what made people believe that was the case. We'll look at all of it. We're also going to discuss in a horrific, horrifically sad event, a six-year-old boy shot his teacher in first grade intentionally after some type of altercation. They have not released very much information about this, but we will discuss what they have released. And it's it's horrible. I mean, I, I cannot fathom this ever being, I mean, I, I have children around this age and I just cannot imagine ever, ever them being put in a position where this could have ever happened. I mean, it, it's horrible. After that, we're going to discuss the Sinaloa cartel launching attacks in Mexico following the arrest of El Chapo's son. This has actually happened before and we'll talk about, I mean, chaos, widespread chaos occurring in Mexico right now as the cartel just obliterates, takes over, fights the military. I mean, just everywhere. There's just, it's, it's, it's crazy to see. So we'll talk about that. And then last, but obviously not least is Kevin McCarthy taking over the speaker of the house role. So all of that and more, but before I forget, you know, the drill, go ahead and hit that subscribe button. I would appreciate it so much. Tap that five-star review, whether you're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever the hell you're listening, YouTube, Rumble, wherever you're listening. We do video episodes, everything, everywhere, all of the time, just like the movie. Go ahead and leave a five-star review. I would appreciate it, especially if you write something. Just your favorite episode, you know, tell me this sweater's garbage. I don't know. My hair is terrible, like some people say. <laughs> <laughs> whatever it is that you want to put in there, just put something and I would appreciate it. Leave a five-star review. It would mean so much. It helps the podcast get up in the rankings, all of that sort of deal. Then head over to redpillrevolution.co.com is for losers and sign up for the Substack subscription. You'll get all of the articles, all of the videos, the full podcast video, the audio video, everything directly to your email every single week just by putting it in there. It's free. It doesn't cost you anything. But if you would like to become a paid subscriber, and I would appreciate it, uh, there will be a, a link at the bottom. I think it's $7 or whatever you choose to put in there. So welcome to Red Pill. 
Revolution. My name is Austin Adams. Red Pill Revolution started out with me realizing everything that I knew, everything that I believed, everything I interpret about my life is through the lens of the information I was spoon-fed as a child. Religion, politics, history, conspiracies, Hollywood, medicine, money, food, all of it. Everything we know was tactfully written to influence your decisions and your view on reality by those in power. Now, I'm on a mission. A mission to retrain and re-educate myself to find the true reality of what is behind that curtain. And I'm taking your ass with me. Welcome to the revolution. All right. The very first thing on today's episode we are going to discuss is a transgender man. A transgender man gives birth to a non-binary partner's baby with a female sperm donor. If you had that on your 2023 bingo card, you are off to a good start because I did not. (laughs) I don't even know how to start to unwind and unravel exactly what this means. So let's just, let's, let's see what they say. It says transgender man gives birth to non-binary partners, baby with female sperm donor. (sighs) Let's just start with this. No, no, that's no, just, just stop. Just don't. Just just leave this baby alone, honestly. You're trying to win some sort of Guinness Book of World Records for the weirdest child born ever. But here's the deal. Nothing was different. You had a penis with sperm and a vagina with ovaries. And you made a baby. None of the linguistic sorcery that you're going to tell me here changes the fact that there was a penis and a vagina and ovaries and sperm, and you made a beautiful baby out of it. That's all that matters. There is no situation where a man gives birth with female sperm. No situation. Nothing. Not a single possibility. But let's read this article so we can feed into the shenanigans and see how comical the sexual situation is. Proud dad, Broomed Sharp. Reuben Sharp today tells he gave birth to a miracle baby in Britain's most modern family. Ooh, you get an award. The 39-year-old transitioned to a man 12 years ago, but he still had maternal instincts and six years ago stopped taking testosterone in the hope of one day having a child. And that dream came true when he and his partner Jay had a bouncing baby. A bouncing baby? Jay is non-binary, so he does not identify as male or female, although the world does not matter. Um because they still got pregnant. The sperm donor was a trans woman, and even the doctor was transgender. Even the doctor was transgender. (laughs) And while a handful of other UK men have fallen pregnant after transitioning from a woman, which does not exist, Ruben and Jay are among the first couples to speak out about their remarkable journey. Oh, oh my goodness, just how much you're doing for this world. Little Jamie arrived three months ago and the family has just enjoyed the best of Christmases, beaming with pride. Wedding photographer Ruben says, it's taken six years to get this far, but now we have a baby in our arms and that was the end goal. I feel complete. It wasn't what I was 
desperate. It wasn't that I was desperate to have the birthing experience or pregnancy experience, but I wanted a child and I had the facility to do it. Yeah, because you're a woman. Both of our families love kids. I was so glad my family were as excited about our baby as they were about other grandkids. The road to parenthood has certainly been long and winding. Ruben explains how he began living as a man, which he did not, in 2007, taking male hormones, which left him with a beard, deep voice, and masculine features, which does not make you a man. It makes you a woman with a beard, deep voice, and masculine features. But realizing he wanted a baby, Ruben spoke to a trusted trans doctor about the possibility of falling pregnant. He was reassured it was possible as he still had his womb and ovaries and boobs, as I'm looking at this picture, to do so. So he took a break from his testosterone medicine, and by he, they mean she, to enable him to over undergo fertility treatments, Ruben met fellow wedding snapper Jay twenty on Jay on uh, Jay was twenty eight in a pub, and the pair headed off. That would be an interesting pub. Okay, I don't really care to read any more of this, uh, but I'm still confused. Um, yeah, wow, this is a very long article celebrating these people's babies. Man and woman have baby is what this article should have read, and it would have been more clear as to what happened here. Um, If you have a female sperm donor, females don't make sperm, and so you had a male sperm donor. If you are a person giving birth, you are a woman, so the man giving birth part doesn't make sense, and the non-binary partner's baby, okay, I guess, if you don't want to affiliate with anything, go ahead. But don't tell me that a man had a baby and a woman was the sperm donor because I'm not a fucking idiot. <laughs> That's, that is my prognosis here. I'm not an idiot. This doesn't make sense. And it shouldn't make sense because they're lying to you. And that's all I have to say about that. All right, moving on. Dana White got into a fight with his wife at a club on New Year's Eve. And this is quite disappointing. I've I've seen some articles come out about this. I've seen Ariel Hawani come out about this. Ariel Hawani is the most prominent MMA journalist ever. And he talks about this. He's had some, you know, love-hate relationship with Dana White, mostly hate. But he calls him out on this and just goes, he's exactly who you thought he was this whole time. Exactly who you thought he was. No mixing words about it. He's exactly who you thought he was. And when you watch this video, it's pretty sad to see this actually go on. Especially in like, I mean, obviously this thing, this sort of horrible thing happens out, you know, in the world. And that's horrible enough. But the fact that it's happening in public from a billionaire at a club I mean, you see the altercation go on here. It looks like they're arguing, and, and I'm going to pull it up, and we'll we'll listen to it here, and I'll give you the audio. But here is Dana White, and, and you're not going to be able to actually see what goes on. But, but let me go ahead and play this for you, and you can listen to it, and I'll talk you through what happens after. So. Okay, 
So what goes on here? His wife, and I'm just going to kind of scrub through the, the clip here, which is coming from TMZ. The wife's kind of yelling in his face, yelling in his ear. He's grabbing her hand, looking like it's kind of getting physical already. She goes ahead and initially she has her head down, looks at him, starts to get mad and smacks him in the face. Barely moves his head. Barely. Smacks him in the face and barely moves him. I mean, Dana's got a big old noggin and a huge old neck. So it's not like this woman was hurting him by doing so. Now, he raises an open hand and smacks her as she kind of moves away in the head at this nightclub. Now, it wasn't like he teed off on her. It wasn't like super aggressive. But obviously, anytime you touch a woman, it's wrong. If you are being hit by a woman, the likelihood of you fist fighting an MMA fighter female is very low. And that's the only instance where maybe you should fight back because she'll whoop your ass. <laughs> but in the case of it being your wife and she does not happen to be an MMA fighter, maybe you should let it slide and let your security handle it. Because that's why you have security, Dana White. You don't need to be smacking your wife in public like you're a 1970s red light district pimp. Just doesn't make sense. Let let the people you pay handle it, get her out of there, separate the two of you, and then deal with it later. There's no reason that you should be smacking your wife. Even though it wasn't like he teed off and like hit her, but and she hit him first, and like that's what people are saying, but who cares? She didn't hurt you. You were never in any danger by her hitting you. She was absolutely in danger by you hitting her. Now, you, again, he didn't hit her hard. You can see that it's just kind of like a, I don't know, just like a pimp smack across the head. But either way, it's wrong. She never hit a woman, even if she hits you first, and unless your life's in danger. And his life was obviously not in danger here. Now, people have been talking about Dana White and his questionable decisions and, and personality and things for quite some time now. Uh, so this obviously just alludes you and, and lets you know that whatever they were saying about him is very likely true. And he's kind of a garbage person. Now he goes ahead and responds to this. And this article from TMZ says Dana White and his wife got physical with each other on New Year's Eve. Stunning onlookers in a crowded Cabo San Lucas nightclub. Um, an incident Dana White says was regretfully fueled by alcohol. The UFC Honcho and Ann White, who have been married for 26 years, were celebrating Saturday night with friends at El Squid Row. But things took a turn after they all welcomed in 2023 at midnight. The couple and their group were in a VIP area above the dance floor. And when Dana leaned over to say something to Anne, she reacted by slapping him across the face. Dana immediately slapped her back before friends jumped in and pulled them apart. And it all played out in plain view of patrons down below. Eyewitnesses in the club tell TMZ Sports and Dana and Anne seemed heavily intoxicated prior to the violence. And the video seems to bear that out because things went from zero to 100 in an instant, seemingly for no reason at all. Furthermore, we were told that the conflict was all over in less than a minute. Now, here is Dana White's response to this, where he says there's no excuse, he shouldn't have done this. Obviously, 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 yeah, you shouldn't have. Here we go, and here's what he says. Dana, why don't you just tell us what happened that night, what happened leading up to that video? Well, I'm in, I'm in Cabo, Mexico, uh, you know, for the holidays with my family. And my wife and I were out Saturday night on New Year's Eve. And, you know, unfortunately, that's what happened. I'm, I'm one of the guys, you know, you've heard me say for years, 
There's never, ever an excuse for a guy to put his hands on a woman. And now here I am on TMZ talking about it. But my wife and I have been married for almost 30 years. We've known each other since we were 12 years old. We've obviously been through some shit together. And uh, we've got three kids. And, you know, this is one of those situations that's, you know, horrible. I'm embarrassed, but it's also one of those situations that is, uh, you know, right now, we're more concerned about our kids. You know, we, we have three kids. And, uh, you know, obviously, <clears throat> since the video popped up, we've shown the kids the video. And, you know, we're more focused on our family right now. People are going to have opinions uh, on this. And, and, and most of the people's opinions would be right. And especially in, in my case, uh, you, you don't you don't put your hands on a woman ever. Uh, my wife and I obviously love each other. We've been together for a very long time. We've known each other since we were very little. And this is just one of those unfortunate situations. You were at a place in Cabo that um, where alcohol flows. Yeah, I mean, Dana, what we were told by people who were in the club that it at least to them seemed that there was a lot of alcohol uh, in, involved in this situation. There, there was definitely a lot of alcohol involved, but that's that's no excuse. I literally am making no excuses for this thing at all. It's never happened before. It's the first time that it's ever happened. And people are going to say what they're going to say. It's, it's, it just is what it is. And, and, and whatever people do say, uh, it's deserved. I deserve it. It, it, it happened. I, I don't know why it happened. And, uh, you know, my wife and I have apologized to each other. We've apologized to our kids. And, you know, this is one of those things that, Everybody's going to chime in. I could care less what anybody else thinks about this. Right now, what we're more concerned about are our kids and, and taking care of our family. In the video, the video that we, we've seen, it seems like this, what started and was over in less than a minute, is that we don't, haven't seen any video beyond that. Uh, is, is it fair to say that this ended? How did this situation end? That, that was the beginning of it and the end of it. And, uh, you know... We're, we're still on vacation, you know, everything. You're talking about somebody who is, uh, you know, her and I have known each other since we were 12 years old and we've been married for almost 30 years. So, you know, we're, we're obviously best friends. She's my wife. And, uh, you know, we had too much to drink and whatever happened that night happened. But, yeah, that, it was it was that was it. And it was done. Dana, the final thing um, you say, whatever happened that night happened. Do you remember it? <laughs> no, no, I don't. I don't remember a lot. So, <laughs> yeah, I don't remember it. I don't remember smacking my wife in the face. How funny! Definitely comical to laugh about. And it's amazing how many, how much of leeway TMZ Sports is giving him on this. By oh, there was the alcohol was flowing, wasn't it? Like alcohol is an excuse. I, I've drank a lot of alcohol. I've never hit my wife. I've never hit a woman when I was drinking. Regardless of how much alcohol you have, you should never put your hands on somebody, especially if they're a woman, even if they hit you first. Now, if a man puts hands on you, then you absolutely put as many hands back on him as it takes. <laughs> but if it's a woman and she's not a professional MMA fighter and your life is not in danger, then yeah, you should take it, call the police, deal with it in other ways. Right, I grew up with six sisters, and there were some times where I got my ass whooped as a child by by some women in my life. But I probably deserved it. 
Uh, but I, I don't find it too comical that he's sitting here. You know, I, I don't see the comedy in you hitting your wife. And, and how many times he wants to reiterate that he's known her since he was 12 years old and they, they're married and they love each other and this and that. And that's no excuse at all for ever, ever laying your hands on a woman. And, 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 and that's every excuse not to furthermore. And, and I've talked about this before in, in different instances. Like it, the woman that you choose to be with, the man that you choose to be with is your best friend. If, if, and, and for the rest of your life, right? That's your choice. That's the number one person. You can have friends, you can have colleagues, you can have, but the number one person that you put all of your trust into is the person that you get married with. Man, woman, whatever. And if you treat that person wrong, or you betray that person, or you cheat on that person, or you this, or you that, or you, at worst, put hands on that person, physically assaulting them, you are absolute trash. I cannot trust you to be a friend. I cannot trust you to be a best friend. And I can't trust you to be around me as, as somebody that I would allow to influence my life. If you are willing to betray the person that you are closest to in your whole life or physically assault them in response, and, and again, I, I understand context and I understand uh, variable degrees of violence. That was not, he was not intending to physically hurt her in some way, but still, you have the piece of, you, you have the mindfulness to know what you're doing in that instance. And she barely moved his head by smacking him. Take it. Call her whatever names you want. Call in security. Get her a different villa, three villas down the road from yours in Cabo, and move on. There's no reason that you need to hit her back in that instance. And all, all it shows us, there's never been another sports uh, owner of a, a sports league that's ever had stuff come out that they were literally smacking around their wife. This is horrible. Horrible for Dana White. And it's and it's flown so far under the radar for people. It's crazy. Like, I haven't seen this conversation anywhere other than Ariel Hawani. Anywhere. Anywhere. Nobody's speaking up about it. The UFC fighters are all, like, too paid off. And by paid off, I mean paid a tenth of what they should actually be paid. And they're afraid of it getting ripped from underneath them unless you're in the top 1% of athletes in the, you know, in the league. But it's crazy that this is not a more... You know, and maybe it's because of the lack of severity of violence, I guess, maybe. I, I don't know. It still seems so wrong. And he knows it, it, obviously, in the way that he's talking about it. But I don't find very much comedy in it as he's sitting here laughing about it. Um. Yeah, no. No, obviously, this thing, it, it, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those situations. It's embarrassing for both of us. But more importantly, what we're more concerned about are our kids. What we're, we're concerned about, listen... Nobody knows you better than your kids know you. They grow up in your house with you. They see everything. They hear everything. They know everything. And, and everybody always asks me, you know, questions about, well, do I care about this? Do I care about that? And my question is always the same. My legacy and all this other stuff with work doesn't mean anything to me. It's all about your family, you know? It's about your wife and kids and, and, and uh, in this situation, too. Like I'm saying, everybody's going to have an opinion. We're just worried about um, our family and focused on on our kids right now. But but me and my wife are cool. We're, we're good. All right. So there you have it. There is the TMZ sports interview with Dana White regarding his assault on his wife. 
as he backtrack backtracks about how long they've been together and tries to justify it. All right. Now, the very next thing that we are going to talk about, and this is a wild one. Vladimir Putin and Russia say that they shot down a UFO. Yeah. Shot down a UFO. This is the only time that I've ever heard a government come out here and actually say this with their mouth. We have shot down a UFO. The only time. And again, the amount of people that are talking about this is like, you didn't see this on zero networks. Zero news companies are talking about this. Nobody, nobody at all is having this conversation. The only place that you'll find this, I mean, I can't, I found this article on Newsweek. So there's a couple people talking about it. But other than that, real news, no bullshit was where I heard of it. Um, you know, that's one of my go-tos. Um, but Newsweek wrote this article and there's actual footage of Russia shooting down a UFO. Actual footage. And still... Nobody's talking about this. Nobody. So let's go ahead and read this. And it says a mystery object described as one by one local news outlet as a UFO has been shot down in the southern Russia region of Rostov. Vasilya Gubalev, the governor of Rostov, a blast wrote on Telegram that a small sized object in the shape of a ball had been discovered flying in the wind at an altitude of around one and a half miles. On January 3rd, with the object spotted above the village in Sultan Sala in the region's Mayanskovsky district, Gobolev said the decision was taken to liquidate it. I urge everyone to remain calm to ensure security. All forces and means were involved. The sky is covered with anti-aircraft defenses, he added, without specifying what the object was. In reporting his comments, local news outlet Piet Rostov carried a headline that said a UFO in the form of a ball was shot down in the sky. Telegram channels that night described how air defense systems in Rostov have been operating. The channel Ostrov Novosti, Caution News, published a video showing a shining object flying and then exploding in the sky. Look, another one has gone, someone has heard saying in the clip, which was captioned another video of the work of Rostov regional air defenses. A witness told the channel how it was a very strong explosion and that everything in the house shook. We realized that the air defenses were in operation. Rostov borders the Sea of Azov, which is connected to the Black Sea by the Strait of Kerch, a strategic location for both sides of the war in Ukraine since the start of Vladimir Putin's invasion. The oblast near Ukraine has been subjected to regular shelling and drone attacks. In October, Rostov was named one of six Russian regions and two annexed regions in which Putin introduced a medium response level to the threats posed by the war. This included restrictions on movement and strengthening public order measures. And we'll just finish it. He also announced that a maximum response effective martial law on the four regions he claims to have annexed but does not fully control, Kherson, Zaporizhia, Donetsk, and Luhansk. Ukraine drone attacks are believed to have been behind the strikes in Russian airbases in December that reportedly damaged aircraft. Kiev has not directly claimed responsibility for the strikes, located in Ryazan and Saratov, respectively. However, Chief's, uh, Ukraine's chief military intelligence official welcomed the attacks, which have been reported re reportedly forced Russia to station its bombers in the Far East. Interesting. Now, this is right in line with what scientists were saying in Ukraine, right? Or scientists were saying about Ukraine. 
Scientists have been saying for a while now that they have been seeing a consistent flow of UFOs. Un, uh, unknown aerial aircraft that seemed of alien origin months ago. Months ago, when this all po was popped off, scientists were saying that there was UFOs and a ton of UFO activity around Ukraine. And this is right in line with that, obviously. So they shot one down, and there's the actual video here that we can go ahead and see. And I will talk you through it again. Now, this happened near the, let's see, in Russia, near the Engels airspace. And I guess it doesn't have the video here on Newsweek. But there is an actual video that I will show you um, through social media and through the uh, podcast companion. So I will include that video directly in the podcast companion for you. So again, redpillrevolution.co, you'll be able to sign up at the very bottom in the footer of the webpage, or you can go to redpillrevolution.substack.com and sign up directly there. Okay. So this is right in line with that. And I'll see if I can find that. Maybe there was some articles a while ago that said, you know, talked about Ukraine UFOs, and I guess this is in Russia. So a little different, but um, pretty wild to see that they've actually claimed to shot them down. So it says that Ukrainian astronomers claim UFOs everywhere over Kiev. And this was back in September, September 14th of 2022. It says Ukrainian astronomers claim UFOs everywhere over Kiev. And there's a video here, and this is by the New York Post, that shows them actually tracking these UFOs in the airspace. Now, this goes on to say, let's just kind of touch on this here, which as Ukrainian astronomers say, the skies over the war-torn country are crowded not only with Russian missiles, but with a large number of UFOs. The surprising claims were outlined in the new research paper published by the main astron astronomical observation of Ukraine's National Academy of Science. The paper titled Unidentified Area Phenomenon 1, Observation of Events, claims that researchers have detected numerous UFOs from two meteor observation stations in Kiev and the village of Vinokurov, about 75 miles outside of the capital. We see them everywhere, the scientist said. We observed a significant number of objects whose nature is not clear. The authors of the paper write, flights of single group and squadrons of ships were detected, moving at speeds from 3 to 15 degrees per second. Ukrainian scientists involved in the study described two different types of UFOs. So I do recall this. There was two different types of UFOs that they talk about here. One called the, they called the Cosmics and one called the Phantoms. And it says that the paper, a Cosmic is a luminous object that appears brighter than the background of the sky, while a Phantom is a dark object in a completely black body that does not emit and absorbs all radiation falling on it. So I would assume the one that we're talking about here was this like ball type um, UFO. The main characteristic, which would be called here a cosmic, the main character characteristic of the UFOs observed by Kiev Kiev's astronomers is their extremely high speed, which can only be detected with specialized equipment. Oh, I recall this too. So they like set up specific cameras and, uh, I don't know. Let's see. The eye does not fix, um, does not fix phenomenon lasting less than one tenth of a second. It takes four tenths of a second to recognize an event. Ordinary photo and video recordings are also not capture the UFO. To detect them, you need fine tune the equipment, shutter speed, frame rate, and dynamic range. 
using color video cameras with fine-tuned shutter speed, frame rate, and range positioned at the two meteor observatory stations. The researchers said they were able to record the unknown objects zooming through the sky. So, they've been telling us about this, right? They've been talking about this. And so finally, Russia comes out and says they shot a UFO out of the sky and then released the footage of it. And so that, that I've, most of the people when I posted this, well, I can maybe go ahead and look back and see, but a majority of people, I did a, uh, I did a poll and I think it was like 54% the last time I saw it. There was a few hundred people that commented on it or, or actually gave input on it. It was 54% thought that it was a UFO, UFO and the remaining percentage thought that it was BS, which I think is fair, right? I think that there's enough evidence here to believe. Now, what does UFO mean? Does it mean that it's an alien in the aircraft? Possibly, but it could also mean a number of other things, right? So take that into consideration when we're talking about this, but there's been so much UFO activity, so much UFO conversations and, and, and in the conversations, almost every time they're not discounting this. They don't, they don't believe that it's coming from this world in the way that they're moving. It defies our laws of gravity. So it'll be interesting to see because Russia is one of, if not the only country ever to come out and say that they had something like this happen. So maybe, and hopefully they start to release some of the information that they find from this because it, they did go ahead and pick up the scene after they shot it down, right? The military responded, went there and allegedly claimed whatever was left there for themselves and, and took it back to be studied. And the more that we get into this, the more it seems that Russia might be one of the only countries who would have ever done this. <laughs> I don't know. So um, I hope the UFO nerd in me, at least, hopes that this is real and that we're going to be seeing a lot more information on this. All right. All right. Now, the next thing that we're going to discuss here is going to be an elementary school shooting. A six-year-old shot their teacher over an altercation a six-year-old in first grade took a gun and shot their teacher, shot their teacher. How in the world do we get into a situation where a six-year-old not only has access to a weapon, which is the biggest problem to begin with, then knows how to use the weapon and then thinks that it's acceptable in some way, shape, or form to actually do so? So this was in Virginia, okay? A six-year-old student shot and injured a teacher during an altercation that took place. What type of altercation could have occurred where this six-year-old pulled out a gun from their backpack and shot the teacher? What type, of, what type of situation could have ever occurred where that seemed like something that was a possibility? Could you imagine being that teacher? Now, the teacher's not okay in critical condition, but it's looking better now. For the teacher. So the teacher is alive at this very moment. Teacher is not dead. And the six-year-old is still in custody. But under the laws of Virginia, they cannot be tried as an adult, which I guess makes sense. And they cannot be held for a certain period of time, I believe, 
over this. So let's read this article again, coming from Real News, no bullshit. And it says, elementary school shooting leaves one teacher critically injured. Police say suspect is a six-year-old boy. According to police and school officials in Newport News, Virginia, a six-year-old sh student shot and injured a teacher during an altercation that took place inside a first-grade classroom. The incident unfolded Friday at Richnick Elementary School and only involved one victim, a woman in her 30s, that sustained life-threatening injuries. The chief of Newport Police, uh, Steve Drew, said the woman's condition was improving, but she was still in critical condition. Chief told reporters at a press conference that we do not have a situation where somebody was going around the school shooting. We have a situation in one particular location where a gunshot was fired. The chief noted that the shooting was not an accident, saying the child purposefully targeted the teacher. Investigators are currently trying to establish how the child obtained the firearm with mixed claims from local officials saying the weapon came from his parents or grandparents' home. Of course it did. The child didn't go buy a gun and they can't even reach the counter. Says legal issues for Virginia. According to Virginia law, the boy who is currently in police custody cannot be tried as an adult due to his age. Yeah. He was in diapers three years ago. In addition, the boy is too young to be held in custody of Virginia's Department of Juvenile Justice if, he's, justice if he is ultimately found guilty. Despite this, juvenile judges in Virginia can revoke the guardianship of the child and give custody to the Department of Social Services. Wow. I cannot imagine any instance where a six-year-old should have access to a weapon, should know how to fire a weapon, and should do so in some type of altercation with the teacher. Like, literally, what could have happened here? The teacher is mad about the student not listening or still coloring in their coloring book, and the student grabs a Glock out of their backpack, points it at the teacher, knows how to use it, fires it, and then what? Like, there's just a bunch of six-year-olds around in this class. I mean, what a horrible, horrible situation for all of these students. Obviously for the teacher, because they're in the hospital and almost died. But for all of, also the other students, I, like I said, I have a child around this age. I understand how sentient these children are. These children cannot even fathom what just happened, right? They're, they understand that it's horrible, but they cannot even understand what just happened. And they're going to be dealing with this. And, and, and I cannot even begin to think of the after effects of this, the teacher laying there on the ground after this happened. How were people notified? What, how long were the students in the room with the teacher while before ambulance and, and personnel came in to help them? What did the, the child do with this gun after they shot this teacher. And I'm a very big advocate of the Second Amendment. Okay. A very big Second Amendment advocate. Okay. I own weapons. I was in the military. I have a license. I go train. I, I do all of it. Right. I, I am 100% in favor of this. Now, if this doesn't make you question a little bit, there should be repercussions for the parents here. And I don't often think that when it's a 14 year old, 15 year old, 17 year old, I think that's that children at that age can, can be solely to blame for something like this. To have your child in a situation where you so negligently raised them to think that they could do something like this, 
gave them access to a weapon to do so. And then to actually have it play out is just horrifying. How all of the things that come out of this, like where, what was going on in the, all the things I just went over, but even to the, you want to break it down to like the, the parents are absolutely at fault here. There is no situation where a six-year-old who was raised by a, a good family in any way, shape or form accesses a firearm, shoots a teacher over an altercation. No situation where that's a good parent. No situation where that's a good household. No situation where a six-year-old would have ever done that in any other household but the ones that they were raised in. Right? I wonder what type of area this was in and you know all of the questions that come with that. But man, what a horrifying... And, and, and to be the first on scene in that situation and like have to take a gun from a six-year-old? Do you know how big a six-year-old is? A six-year-old is like up to your hip, maybe. And you have that little human shooting a teacher. And they have military on call here. And wow. This is, and again, it's like seems decently underreported. There's not much of a narrative here for them to push gun control over this. So you're not going to see it plastered around nearly as much as it should be just for shock factor. The shock factor here is that this happened from a six-year-old. Now, I again, I go back to the parents. The parents should absolutely be at fault. The child should be stripped away from the parents. The child should go into protective custody. And I am 100% against CPS. 100% against giving states the ability to strip your rights from being a parent from your child. But in this case, I don't see any other way. I do not see any situation where this should have happened in any type of positive household. So I guess, again, we're going to have to see what comes out of this. What There's very little information leading up to what the altercation could have been. Like, what in the world type of altercation could a six-year-old get into with a first-grade teacher to shoot her with a gun? I don't know. Just crazy. Just crazy. All right. The next thing we're going to move into. But before we move into it, <laughs> go ahead and leave a five-star review. Go ahead and hit the subscribe button. Head over to redpillrevolution.co. If you would like to become a paid subscriber, you can do one of two things. You can go to our Instagram, which is back. I can't tell you how excited I am about this. The Red Pill Revolt page on Instagram is back. It is not being shadow banned the way that it was before. I'm getting a ton more views on my story, a ton more views on my videos. I am so thankful to my social media public freedom of speech coordinators, Facebook, Meta, and Instagram for allowing me the ability to speak to my audience who wants to listen to me talk unhindered from algorithms. Now, that's not to say that it's probably still not where it should be, but I am so excited about the fact that it's back. And I'm going to be moving over into Twitter. Right now, my Twitter handle is Red Pill Revolt with two T's because some asshole took my name 
And I'll probably be switching that over to the Austin J Adams, which is the backup account on Instagram, um, the Austin J Adams, or at Red Pill, Pill at Red Pill uh, Red Pill Revolt on Instagram. Um, you can find all of it. But go to the link tree, the link in the bio, and you can leave a tip directly through the link tree, which is link uh, link tr slash the Austin J Adams, or you can head over to. Um, givesengo.com slash redpillrevolution, givesengo.com slash redpillrevolution, and you can leave a donation. Now, what that helps me do is buy equipment, is to take more time away from my family, and to afford to put more time, energy, and effort into this. So if you are appreciative of what I do, you tip your waiter, you tip your hostess, your cab driver. If you appreciate what I do, feel free feel free to head over there and leave a donation. I, my family, would all appreciate it. All right, so moving on. We have one of the craziest situations you've ever seen happening in Mexico right now. The Sinaloa cartel is launching attacks on Mexico's police forces, civilians, airplanes, military, all of them over El Chapo's son being arrested. Now, this has happened already one time. El Chapo's son was arrested once. I think it was less than a year ago. And they released him because of how much violence ensued as a result of it. Now they're back at it again. And this time it appears as if Mexico is not backing down. Now, my hope would be that the U.S. military is helping them fight back against the cartel because the things that this cartel is doing, just I could not imagine the Bloods, the Crips, the M13s, the this, the that, the whatever the gangs are of today's world in the U.S., just going after our military and police the same way that mobsters did back in the 30s. It's so crazy. There's smoke billowing from the entire city. There's cars lit on fire. There's gunshots ringing through airplanes with just the general public on it. They took hostages in hospitals. The cartel is going crazy right now, trying to get back El Chapo's son. So let's go ahead and read this again, coming from Real News, No Bullshit. And it says, and this is a live feed, so it talks about the timings of all of this going down. It says that at 5.51 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Now let's look back and see where this actually all begun because they transported him recently. And I want to make sure that I'm not getting this timing backwards. Okay, so we'll start from the very beginning. This was at 1.11 Pacific Standard Time. The Sinaloa cartel was launching attacks against government officials, buildings, and other public infrastructure after the son of El Chapo was arrested in a military operation. In Culican, cartel members have taken to the streets and unleashed carnage following the arrest of a video Guzman Lopez. Video we've obtained shows fires breaking out in the city with reports of cartel members engaging police officers, attacking commercial aircraft, at the local airport, and even kidnapping doctors and nurses from a local hospital to prevent the injuries from being a, to properly obtain medical attention. According to Mexican authorities, Ovidio was a leader within his father's cartel and was arrested after a six-month operation that the U.S. government provided intelligence on. 
A video was initially arrested years ago, but was released after the cartel launched similar attacks following his capture. At the time, Mexico's president argued his release was necessary to save the lives of innocent civilians. This all comes days before President Biden is set to arrive in Mexico for a summit. Currently, there has been no schedule change and the president is still accepted or expected to visit Mexico. There was various roadblocks at 123. There's a video showing semi-truck trailers burning in Mexico's International Highway in Culiacan. Members of the Sinaloa cartel have stolen various vehicles and are creating blockades around the city. And there's a video right here of the semi-trucks that are up in flames. Wow. Just billows and billowing of smoke at this prison. Unconfirmed reports of a prison riot at Culiacan's prison, Araganto, Aguarto. Other reports indicate there could have been an attack by the Sinaloa cartel. The prison houses a considerable amount of Sinaloa cartel members. In addition, El Chapo's son was housed there prior to moving to Mexico City. There was video obtained of a social media page of the cartel members showing armed members at, at a roadblock in Mexico. Just walking around with rifles. It says Mexican authorities are moving El Chapo's son from a prison in Mexico City to a military camp which is a secure military base. The convoy carrying a video of Guzman Lopez involves multiple military personnel and armored vehicles. This comes as the Sinaloa cartel is launching attacks in retaliation of his arrest. Mexican military C-295 transport aircraft on the ground after being shot at by Sinaloa cartel members. They're literally just randomly shooting at aircraft. Wow. Um, it says a Mexican Air Force C-295 transport aircraft was shot at by cartel members while flying over Culiacan. According to reports from the ground, the aircraft was shot at by cartel members equipped with vehicle-mounted machine guns. Wow. And it shows... Sorry, that's super loud. Um, shows the actual aircraft here, which I guess we'll see if we can pull up. And I'll, again, I'll include these videos here for you in the sub stack. But firefighters going in and trying to put out the aircraft. No, they got some nice fire trucks at the airports here. Um, goes on to say that a Mexican Air Force uh, video obtained from the social media of cartel members shows an armed man shooting at Mexican military helicopters. They're going all sorts of crazy. Hmm. They're running their they're running their vehicles into uh, different shopping places, holding people hostage. Uh, body cam footage footage of a firefight in Culiacan in the video. A soldier opens fire at a cartel truck by driving by. Footage pulled from the Sinaloa cartel members shows a significant amount of armed men in the outskirts of Kluakam. Cartel members on social media are writing various messages that includes, this is our city, and we are going to take over the whole mother effing county, country. Juan Jose Oruza, commander of Mexico's 43rd Infantry, has been killed. Four of his bodyguards were also killed. Um, it says that videos of civilians hand held at gunpoint. I mean, they're just going off. They're going crazy. They're doing everything that they can to get him released. And at 5.51, several hours after all of this, a video Guzman was being loaded into government helicopter and transported to prison. 
Mexican officials used a ton of decoy convoys to ensure safe movement. So Mexico is just going crazy right now by the cartel. And that makes you, you know, it's, it's, it's wild to see the differentiation between our country and their country, just in these videos, even and in the way that our military would respond. It's so wild to think that they would have actually released his son, El Chapo's son. They released him years ago in the same situation because they were pressured by the cartel saying that it was saving lives. Was it really though? Because again, that's kind of what we're, I think we're seeing here is that they're trying to put their foot down, put their heels and dig their heels down saying, we are not going to do that again. If we arrest you, you are staying with us and we are not releasing you no matter how much we have to fight you over it, which is a little bit of a trolley equation when you take into consideration that they are actually legitimately killing people and military members, all of it uh, over what is going on there. But it's something that you have to take into consideration. Our government would never have done that, right? There's no crime mob boss who's going to send the mob after our government and kill and shoot at civilian. I mean, just, just so wild to think that that actually occurred and, and successfully happened. Now, I would hope that our U.S. military is being deployed to Mexico right now to fight against the cartel because we helped them obtain the actual intelligence in which they were able to get a video. And I'm sure that there's actually been question as to whether or not we were going to see some retaliation in the United States as a result of our assistance in this, uh, in this, you know, arrest of a video. And hopefully we don't see that and we haven't seen it yet, but with how upset and mad and the way that they're retaliating in Mexico, it doesn't seem unlikely. It doesn't seem crazy to think that they would, you know, with how open our borders right now and how wild it is going, this is all going on in Mexico. It is not crazy to think that these firefights, that these random shootings of civilians, kidnapping of nurses and doctors could come to the U.S. as a result of how open our borders have been allowed to be by President Biden. It is not that far-fetched to think that that's a possibility. But let's hope not. Because what's going on there right now is horrific. All right. The final topic we are going to discuss here is going to be Kevin McCarthy is elected U.S. House Speaker after 15 rounds of voting. I'm a little bit interested to read this because I don't know too, too much about the voting process when it comes to the Speaker of the House. Um it seems like there was a big altercation between Matt Gates and Kevin McCarthy. And in that altercation, somebody gets grabbed by the face. Like it's, it's, <laughs> it's crazy to see the, the, how much drama actually went down as a result of this. It says Congressman Mike Rogers physically restrained over speaker vote. This guy behind him grabs his face and removes him from the conversation. If somebody grabs my face from behind like that, you bet your ass I'm turning and we're going to be in a physical altercation. You don't grab my face like that. It, it's crazy to see that this, you see all of these videos of like these fist fights going down in like Syria and people throwing shoes at each other and all this wacky craziness that you would never think would happen in American politics. And, and all of a sudden this guy gets his face grabbed from behind and and this is American politics in in a vote 
and you see it really start to escalate. And so let's let's read through this. Let's see what actually went down and how this this went about. So this is coming from the BBC. And it says Kevin McCarthy elected U.S. House Speaker after 15 rounds of voting. It says uh, after heated exchanges, which almost almost saw fellow Republicans come to blows. It took 15 rounds of voting for Mr. McCarthy to win the job, despite his party having a majority in the chamber. It came after a dramatic pressure campaign played out live on the House floor as party rebel Matt Gates was urged to vote for Mr. McCarthy. The Florida congressman was among six holdouts who relented late on Friday. Earlier, amid heated scenes in the chamber, Mr. Gates had almost come to blows with Rep. Uh, with Republican Mike Rogers, a supporter of Mr. McCarthy, the Alabama congressman had been physically restrained by colleagues as he bellowed and jabbed his finger at Mr. Gates. And here is the video. So he, this guy walks up from behind, Mike Rogers, goes over to start to kind of talk to Matt Gates. He's getting grabbed by the shoulders and then grabbed by the face as he makes his way to start to yell at Matt Gates. And Matt Gates stood up in this vote and said, I vote for Donald John Trump, which was like one of the most G moments. If this was seven years ago, he would have had the, you know, the sunglasses and the the joint or whatever, the cigarette in his mouth that got dropped onto his face. It was, it was, it was pretty crazy to see him and like the looks on people's faces. Marjorie Green Taylor, you know, kind of had a smirk on her face when he did it, although she backtracked a ton. Marjorie Green Taylor back backtracked a ton and like just like started bowing at the feet of McCarthy. And it seems like I put again, I put on another poll. And in my poll, I, I asked if people were upset about this or happy about this. And it was about 85 percent of people who were mad. And my audience is primarily conservative, mad that McCarthy was voted in. Now, from what I understand, a lot of people were saying he's a part of the, the swamp. He is the one of the biggest shadiest characters, one of the rhinos, as people call him, um, in, in the political spectrum, in the political sphere. And as a result, people are really upset over this. Now, I don't know who was the in the actual vote here that could have been changed, but it's obviously better that we have somebody in there as opposed to Nancy Pelosi. But how much better is it if they're in the same pockets of the same people who, who are lining the pockets of Nancy Pelosi? Right. What we need in the in the House as the Speaker of the House in, in politics in general is somebody who's not going to be taking bribes. And if you look at the track record of McCarthy, all of the things that, that he's been on on the record voting for recently does not allude you to believe that he is one of the good ones. And so a lot of people are angry about this. Now, I need to do more research on those votes and, and who he is and the, the background because I don't have enough to have a very strong opinion at this point. Um, but what I can tell you is that people are mad. People are upset by this, and which is says a lot when the last person who held this position was Nancy Pelosi. So <laughs> let's, let's read this again and move on. It says, the Speaker sets the House agenda and oversees legislative business. The Post and is second in line to the presidency after the U.S. Vice President. Speaking after his confirma confirmation, Mr. McCarthy wrote on Twitter, I hope one thing is clear after this week. I will never give up. And I will never give up for you, the American people. Mr. McCarthy told reporters that former President Trump had helped him get the final votes. I don't think anybody should doubt his influence. He was with me from the beginning. He would call me and he would call others, he said. 
U.S. President Joe Biden congratulated Mr. McCarthy for his win and said he looked forward to cooperating with the Republican Party. Yeah. The American people expect their leaders to govern in a way that puts their needs above all else, and that is what we will do now. Republicans have already pledged to launch investigations into Mr. Biden's family business dealings and administration. In a remarkable turnaround in the 12th round of voting, Mr. McCarthy was able to persuade 14 Republican holdouts to cast their vote for him. A 15th rebel followed suit for the 13th ballot. After the 13th ballot adjourned, Mr. McCarthy insisted to reporters that he would have the votes to take the speakership on the next round. But the California congressman was still three votes short of the 217 he needed to take the prized gavel. And in chaotic and dramatic scenes, he again failed to win on the 14th ballot. The dissidents included members of the House Freedom Caucus who, who argued that Mr. McCarthy was not conservative enough to lead them as they worked to try to oppose Democratic President Joe Biden's agenda. Mr. McCarthy was offered various concessions to the rebels, including a seat on the Influential Rules Committee, which sets the terms for debate and legislation in the chamber. He also agreed to lower the threshold for triggering a vote on whether to unseat the Speaker to only one House member leading to the possibility that the Republican coalition could easily fracture again even after Mr. McCarthy's victory. As the last political uh, role, Montana's Ryan Zink voted, the House floor erupted in applause as it became clear Mr. McCarthy had finally emerged victorious. Mr. McCarthy hugged other representatives and signed autographs, but across the room, the Democrats' sides were completely silent. No Democratic applause. Senior Democratic Party lawmakers accused Mr. McCarthy of ceding power to an extreme wing of his party and likened the staff um, to the riot exactly two years ago on Capitol Hill. Wow, that's all dramatic, dramatic, dramatic for you to say that that's even it's like January 6th. But January 6th is like, you know, a coup and a coup is like, you know, it's like how ridiculously dramatic are these politicians? It says two years ago, insurrectionists failed to take over the Capitol. Tonight, Kevin McCarthy let them take over the Republican Party. And that was by Eric Swalwell on Twitter. Virginia Congressman Don Bayer referred to the angry scenes among Republicans that followed the 14th count, unsettling that this process ends in threats of violence in the House chamber on this of all days, he said. Maybe it didn't determine the outcome, but that is no way to conduct the people's business. A dark and sobering moment will probably be remembered long after the session stands. And there you have it. So, Ding dong, the witch is dead. Nancy Pelosi is out of the house. And for that, we are thankful, but to be replaced by a man, none other than Kevin McCarthy, who very many people believe is not much better than Nancy Pelosi, is not exactly the win that we were hoping for. But it's a move in the right direction. So hopefully, as Kevin McCarthy said he would do, He's going to repeal the 87,000 IRS agents is going to be one of his first motions. Next, he's going to look into the Biden family, which is very unlikely, knowing the position politically that he sits in. And then he says that they are going to start to deep dive into the January 6th committee and the people that are still being held. Because from what I heard, there was actually somebody who hung himself, killed themselves while in custody still from January 6th, year after still killed themselves because they were still in custody unrightfully, probably only because of the Patriot Act that is being taken advantage of. There's no legal, legal reason at all that these people should still be in custody and not tried already. 
And that's horrible, right? Horrible that somebody actually lost their lives. A, a, a human being, a son, a daughter, a father, mother, cousin, brother killed themselves, hung themselves. And maybe from what we've learned lately, maybe that wasn't the case. But even if it is the case that they hung themselves, that's horrible. And if it wasn't them, maybe they knew something was going on that was shady and they were going to speak out about it and got epstein but who am I to judge? Anyways, that's all I got for you guys today. Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate you. From the bottom of my heart, hit the subscribe button, hit five stars, leave a review. I would appreciate it. I love you. Go over to redpillrevolution.co, sign up for the Substack. If you'd like to donate, go over to redpillrevolution.co. No, don't go there. Go to linktree dot com slash the Austin J Adams or over to givesengo.com slash red pill revolution. And I would appreciate it so much. Thank you guys so much for listening. I hope you have a wonderful day and welcome to the revolution. Thank you. <laughs>